Entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Welcome to the Business Builders Show. My name is Marty Wolf, and I am joined today by my good friend, Ari Weinswig. Ari, welcome back to the Business Builders Show. It's an honor, Marty. It's great to great to talk to you. Always. Today is no exception. You know what I keep thinking, and when we come on, I keep thinking I should know how many times you've been on the show. I know you are our most frequent guest over the last decade. So wow. I know that you have the, the, the most interviews that we've done. So I appreciate you taking time to be with us today. I'm, I'm uh, happy to do it. Sharing the lessons that, uh, that you have to share with us. So we are going to be focusing on Ari Weinswig and Zigerman's latest pamphlet. And the title of that pamphlet is The Story of Visioning at Zingerman's: Four Visions, 40 Years, and a Positive Look Towards the Future. In terms of introduction, I will do a brief introduction of Ari, and uh, we'll get more of the backstory as Ari talks about the visioning process at Zingerman's. Right from the cover of the inside cover of the latest pamphlet, it says this, and this is from Ari. He says, back on March 15, 1982, 1982, wow. My partner, Paul Saginaw, and I opened Zingerman's Delicatessen on an oddly angled intersection at the corner of Kingsley and Detroit Streets in Ann Arbor, Michigan. They had two staff members working with them in a small 1,300-square-foot space. I move to the next paragraph in this opening, and it says this. Ari says this. As I write, the Zingerman's community of businesses, community of businesses includes Zingerman's Delicatessen, where it all started, Bakehouse, Creamery, Catering, Mail Order, Zing Train, Coffee Company, Roadhouse, I, I can't finish them all. There's a big community of businesses, sorry, as you well know. And let's see here. As of uh, when he wrote this, as an org organization, Zingerman's is on track to do about $70 million in sales this year with over 700 folks on staff. What were your sales in 1982? You remember it all, Harry? I don't, Marty. <laughs> That's a long time ago. And there's no... There were computers then, as you remember, but they were like a block long and we didn't have any. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I could yeah. make up a number. No one will know that it was wrong. Well, maybe I, a I half don't... a million. We only well, had two employees and it was 1,300 square feet. So smaller than my house. Yeah. But quite a journey. And um, I know that visioning. Uh, played a, a role in that. And again, folks, we are going to be talking about the story of visioning at Zingerman's. This is a pamphlet that uh, is available through, uh, we'll talk to you more about that. Um, so let's start here. So let's just start with kind of the history of visioning at Zingerman's. Uh, you, you've talked in detail about the, in the pamphlet, but kind of give us the history of vision. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I guess in context, the, the history of vision itself goes back to the first humans. Maybe, I don't know enough about 
the physiological uh, activities of other animals, but it, I, I really believe it's a natural human process. So in a sense, and we'll come back to it, we all know how to do this from the time we're born. The problem, of course, is that social pressure, our parents, the school system, the press, we're getting bombarded with so much conflicting, confusing information uh, that most of us forget how to do what we knew how to do at three. Yeah. So the, the direct answer to your question, uh, we opened, as you said, 1982, but in our heads, we had a vision. But when we actually learned the process, to give the literal response was 1993. So we were about 11 years in business uh, and we didn't go out looking for the process. The process thankfully came to us in the form of Stash Kazmierski, uh, who I wrote about in there, who taught us the process. Stash, at that time, he had grown up in Detroit. He had worked at Ford Motor Company as an internal consultant. He had uh, done studying work with Ron Lippett, who we could talk about in a little bit, who is the guy who developed this particular process of visioning back in the late 50s, 60s, and 70s. And Stash uh, had left Ford and he had gone to work at a creative, progressive, uh, organizational change-focused consulting firm called Dana Miller Tyson. Uh, Kathy Dana Miller was known all over the country for her organizational mm -hmm. change process, which we have adapted over the years too, which is another podcast. Uh, when we're ready to add another one to our mutual list. But anyway, uh, their office was down the block and I don't have an office and I used to and still do sit out in the businesses generally when I'm working and just especially with laptops, you can where I can work anywhere. Right. So I'm sitting out at the tables and I got to meet Stash because he liked coffee a lot and he would walk down the block as I would do if I were stuck in an office all day. Uh, <laughs> regularly, they would come for lunch, they would come for coffee, whatever. They would start to have their meetings in our space at the deli. And uh, I don't really remember if it was my partner, Paul, or I who initiated the conversation about our struggles, but we had reached a point uh, that I now would equate to organizational midlife. Uh, it's not like we were brilliant successes, but we had done a lot. Uh, and Paul, uh, thankfully had this sort of intuitive sense that we had fulfilled our original though unwritten vision. Mm -hmm. And we were struggling in all the ways that we all do when we hit midlife or whatever version of that you want, your kids move out of the house or you retire or whatever, like the purpose you had, the, the clarity you had, the direction you had, it's kind of done. Mm -hmm. And you don't really know what's next. And that conversation, which I detail in the book, started with Paul sitting me down uh, in 1993 in the summer, about 10, 1030 in the morning, when I should have been inside getting the sandwich line ready for the lunch rush. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, okay, man, in 10 years, what are we doing? And I'm like, hey, Paul, I don't know. And he's like, well, come on, what are we doing? I'm like, Paul, I don't, I don't know what we're doing in 10 years. <laughs> I, you know, finally I was like, I got work to do. I got to get back to work. We're going to get killed. I'm not ready for lunch. And he's, he's like, this is our work. So in hindsight, like I said, he had had thankfully an intuitive sense that we had fulfilled this original vision, which I can talk about. It wasn't written down, but we had one. Uh, and what he was asking me is, what's your vision in our current language? I didn't have one. Uh, I don't think he had one either. He just knew we had finished this other one. And to be clear, it's not like we were satisfied with what we have because we've always been about improvement long before continuous improvement was a thing. 
But there's a big difference I've learned between improving what you have and going after long-term vision. So slowly but surely, we learned the process from Stash, and 30 years later, it's yeah. hard to imagine living without it. Yeah. So you've written how many visions since then? I should know the answer, but four? Well, for the organization, you you yeah. know, because it's in the subtitle that you nicely read a couple times. So we're, we've, we're working on our... Go. We're working on our fourth one. The Four first visions. one wasn't wasn't really written down, but it was a vision, and I have reconstructed it as best I can, like an archaeologist would do. Uh, so we'll see. We're on our fourth now. That said, and we can come back to it, but as you know, we do visioning work for everything. So this is for big organizational visions, but once we start to use this process, we use it for each business unit. We use it for departments. We use it for new jobs. We use it for projects. We use it for difficult meetings, really whatever we're going to do. It's really a way of being in the world, not just a technique. Yeah. Did you write a vision for this pamphlet? I did, which you know, because it's inside the pamphlet, but I almost <laughs> didn't. And okay, just like all best practices, we're all human and the beauty of doing something regularly is you can remember quickly that you're not doing it. So like <laughs> everybody listening to this probably knows that good breathing technique is essential to staying grounded, et cetera. Yeah. If you work out regularly, like I am super slow, but I run every day, then one becomes generally unconsciously competent. They would say in the training world about your breathing. So for the most part, if my breathing gets off, I'll kind of quickly, even not consciously, catch it and correct it. But still, even the best breather still yeah. gets to points where anxiety is high, stress is high, tension is high, and yeah. we forget to breathe properly. But then we can just say, oh, you're not breathing. Yeah. And this was the same thing, like, oh, man. I'm going to mess up. I didn't even write a vision for my own pamphlet about visioning. And thankfully, it wasn't done yet, so I could still work on it because it was in my head. But I just yeah. realized it would be a wonderful way to give a concrete example of one that was far smaller than this giant organizational one. Yeah. It's, so let me tell folks right out of the gate, chances are that there'll be a certain part of the Business Builder Show audience that's familiar with you and your work uh, because I talk about you a lot. Uh, but there are people who, who don't. So you do teach the visioning process. Yeah. Um, so how, how do you teach it? Not exactly the mechanics, but how can people learn about that? I guess I'm, I'm asking yeah. that question. So we, as you, as you detailed in the intro, uh, we have this community of businesses. Uh, part of our vision is that we only do businesses here in the Ann Arbor area. So they're all within... 10, 15 minutes of each other. It's not a judgment of those who do things differently. It's just right. what we do. Uh, and part of our vision is that we only do each business once. So we don't open 23 delis. Again, not judgment of those who do, but I like unique things and I'm drawn to the special places. And so we have this collection, which you listed off many of them. Uh, and one of them is Zing Train, which is our training business, which started in 1994. And so that's literally where we teach it. So we, we have uh, one of the, there's only about 22 good things that have come from the pandemic on my list. One of them is that Zingtrain courses went online. So now people can log in from Laos or Los Angeles or wherever yeah. they want uh, and, and do a little two hour 
course on visioning and then the core of Zing Train's work before the pandemic and becoming so again are the two-day in-person seminars, which certainly is a much more in-depth way of learning it. And then I've written, as you know, uh, about it in multiple books and other yeah. places. And then, of course, we teach the same thing to our own staff, too. So it's not just something we teach to business builder yeah. show listeners. It's right. internally used. Yeah, you've taught it uh, literally all over the world. Uh, I know that, and that's also mentioned in the pamphlet. Some people may still be struggling with the idea of visioning. Um, they may be hearing this for the first time. These may, may have crossed their minds along the way, small businesses, big businesses, the whole concept of visioning. I, I think maybe the way to maybe get into a little more detail on it is I, I'm going to go to page 22 in your pamphlet. And um, it says this on top of page 22. It says the benefits of visioning to play out, play out almost as play out best when we can, when we have them written down, the benefits of visioning play out best when we have them written down and you have some bullet points here. So I thought maybe one way to explain the visioning process is to maybe answer some of these questions. So hopefully you're in agreement with me. For instance, it says uh, the visioning process, when you have it all written down, it helps guide us in our daily lives. Now, we're talking about your organizational vision. How does your vision document, which is now 2032, help guide you in your daily lives at Zingerman's? I'm going to tell you. And before I tell you, I'm going to state what I'm not sure we've said. Maybe we did and I forgot. But so the way we do visioning, it's a story. Okay. It's, Go. it's not a list like what you're referencing on page 22 right. in a good way is a list of bullet points. And I'm a, right. I, I love a good bullet point. But, but but visioning is a story, so it's Good. not just like I'm going to be a baseball player. It's how do you feel about playing baseball? How does the world feel about you? How do you approach your craft as a baseball player? How does, how does your relationship with your family play out while you're on the road for half the year? You know, all these things would go into the story of your vision. And so our 2032 one is about 10 pages long. So this is... Yeah. Uh, radically 180 degree opposite of the business school version where 10 lines would be considered way too wordy. Uh, this is the other way. So the vision is we've written the story of our life, either individually or collectively as we want it to be. So not an exercise in analysis of what delicatessens yeah. opened in the American Midwest in 1982 should do or how much money we could make if we did an IPO. This is, do we want to do an IPO? <laughs> yeah. Right. So how does it help us guide our lives? Well, if we write a vision that says that we're engaged in the community as ours does, and it says that we're only open businesses here in the community, when we get a call from you and you say, I put together a hundred investors that are ready to put up $200 million to have you open a, bit giant Zingermans in Pennsylvania, we just say, Marty, we are so honored that you're calling. That's awesome. Unfortunately, in a good way, our vision says that we only open in the Ann Arbor area. And this isn't just theoretical. I mean, this happens fairly regularly for us. Yeah. Uh, we put a lot of time into writing the vision, but then it allows those conversations uh, to take place relatively quickly because there's really nothing to discuss. 
So, and as you know, this actually happened real life with Disney uh, many years ago and no cut on Disney. It's just, they wanted us to open down in whatever it was, Disney World. And I just, after the guy talked for a really long time before I could get a word in and I just said, wow, you know, I'm honored and I am honored that you're asking, but our vision is that we only open in Ann Arbor. And he's like, I don't think you understand. I mean, this is much more involved than you realize probably like we've been spending two, three years, whatever it was doing research to pick a finalist list of 30 restaurants. You're on the list. And I'm like, no, no, I, I get it. And I'm honored, but not interested. He goes, I, I don't think you understand. Like, the restaurants that open in Disney are doing, you know, whatever it was, 200% comparable store sale. And I'm like, no, I totally believe you, but it's just, and then at I the end, they... finally, he, it wasn't getting through because it yeah. was just so unbelievable. And I said, well, actually, if you want to open Disney in Ann Arbor, then we could talk about it. And he goes, well, I don't think that's going to happen. And I said, well, then I don't think we're going to open down there. So literally that was like a 25 minute conversation made that long. And I say this with respect, but made that long only because he wouldn't listen to what I was saying. Yeah. And typically if you got asked that it would require years of analysis and long arguments and whatever. So the vision helps a lot. Yeah. Uh, well said. Well explained. I'm not going to go through all these bullet points, but I want to connect to yeah. the different things here. Pick, pick whatever so, one you like. So draws like-minded people into our presence. Draws like-minded people into our presence. Go deeper on that one for me, please. Yeah. Well, if you have a vision of what you want to do, and this, by the way, works in your personal life too, the people who are not drawn to what you want to do can decide much more quickly that even though they might like you, and in some ways they're attracted to you, it's not a good fit. <laughs> so if yeah. you wouldn't be a weird story if we didn't have a vision and you didn't know, we weren't very clear about this, right? Like most companies, we wouldn't have had this all written out. So you might say, hey, dude, I just got my MBA. This is awesome. These guys are on fire. They're going to flip this company. I'm going to get in there now. And I'm going to get my stock options. And in four or five years, Paul and Ari are going to retire and or they're going to go public and I'm going to clean up. And meanwhile, I could probably like my girlfriend's families in Phoenix. We can go. I'll take over the southwest region when because inevitably they're going to expand down there. Phoenix is a really hot market. No pun intended. We're going to go down there and open. So by having this vision, it allows somebody who really wants that to go, well, dude, these guys are, they might think we're nuts, but it's clearly not a good fit. Conversely, if somebody is really interested in the community, if somebody is drawn to servant leadership, if somebody's drawn to diversity, if somebody's drawn to equity, this is going to be much more likely to bring them into our organization. So we don't write it to be a hiring tool but the reality is if you have one especially right now when everybody i know at least is short-staffed including us yeah. Yeah. and you're hiring somebody especially at a leadership position i mean this is a huge differentiator how soon do you introduce the vision document to your potential new hires at what at what point in the process do you talk about it well obviously there's a lot we have 700 plus people i'm not doing the hiring uh for people that I do talk to, I give it to them as soon as I can. I mean, I, I, I'm sure not everybody here is doing it, but I think from a strategic standpoint, yeah, like I'd rather give it to you before we even talk, because if, 
if you yeah. read it, you go, this sucks. Like, this is totally not how I want to live. I can, <laughs> I have enormous respect for you, but why waste an hour and a half asking you about your style of leadership and what your former employees would say and all those other things that we all ask if you don't like where we're going? Yeah. Yeah. Ari, uh, you write about them. We have a lot of problems in our world today, and there's a lot of distractions, and there's a lot of things going on that demand uh, our immediate attention, uh, justifiably so. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, you know what the question is going to be. So, should we be spending time thinking about 2032, which seems like it's I don't know. It's way out there to a lot of people. So, so give me feedback. Uh, you've done this. So give me feedback on why yeah. we should be taking time to do this. Well, in part four of the Zingerman's Guide to Good Leading, I tell a couple stories. So, uh, yes, I hear that resistance regularly. And by the way, just for people listening, I mean, I, I did not embrace this right off. I mean, I was very skeptical and eye rolling and whatever. So I was, I'm, I'm like the big resistor who became the convert over the decades. But yes, I have heard that resistance multiple times. Uh, as I said, told the story in, in part four, and I say this lovingly, but I have friends who've been telling me for four years, they don't have time to write the vision. And I, I this is a little less relevant now with maps on cell phones, but I used to say like, it's like, you're like, I'm like, I think we got to go pull over and get directions. And you're like, no, we're in a, we're going to be, we're, we're, we're going to be late. And I'm like, but I don't know where we're going. <laughs> so if you don't know where you're going, it's very difficult back to your earlier point to make good decisions. Right. So this is really just pausing long enough to figure out what you're doing. And I've had people say, well, I just like figuring out as we go. I'm like, awesome. That's a vision. Like write that down and stop hiring people that are going to try to straighten you out because they're going to be really frustrated and just tell them, like, I want to just kind of roll with it every week and then create a team of people that likes to roll with it. Right. It's like a SWAT team. And and there are people who thrive on that adrenaline and uncertainty. And that's the game. And it, it's awesome. But if you know where you're going, it's a thousand times easier to make a decision. And the funny thing is, I taught this one time, I don't know, it's probably six, seven years ago. And this woman reached out to me and she's like, it's hilarious that you say that. She goes, cause one time my husband and I went to Provence in the South of France and we're on this bicycle, you know, week long bicycling trip and we're going through the countryside. And you know, I'm like, honey, I, she goes, I tell my husband like, honey, I, I we got to stop and ask directions. And he didn't want to. And she's like, we really, we have to. And he goes, but we're making such good time. <laughs> to where, and right? I, yeah. And so it's really, yeah, it, it doesn't take very long. Uh, more people, most people spend more time arguing about that. It takes too long than it takes to write it. Yeah. Um, well, let me just uh, say, uh, just remind people you're listening to the business builder show. My name is Marty Wolf. I'm your host. And my guest is Ari Weinswig and he is with Singerman's. You can just uh, hit, you can find Zingerman's uh, 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 certainly uh, by Googling them or Zing Train, where you're going to find books and training and stuff, all that kind of thing. Z-I-N-G, Zing Train. Um, go back to a point you made earlier, because these are things that I run into. You know I, I share your work. Uh, two things. 
you, you said earlier that most companies have the two line catchy phrase and they call that a vision. Your, let's see, uh, I printed out it's 11 pages and it's a full 11 pages. Um, why did you or how did you decide to come up with that format as opposed to what, 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 what occurred? Was that your early training that you said, hey, look, we've got to detail this more. We've got to really think this through a little bit more. What are we going to look like, feel like, sense in, in 10 or 15 years? Where did the decision come to make it longer like that? More detailed? Well, it's kind of how we learned it from Stash Kazmierski. And then I, in a way, as I'm a history major, but in a way, all history blurs together. I, and I, he passed away, sadly, five years ago last spring. But we sort of evolved it and morphed it. Um, and so this is what we learned from him, what he learned from Ron Lippett, what Ron Lippett learned from Kurt Lewin uh, before him. And Stash taught us this format. Um, yeah. What we did, I think, from what he told me that was very different is that we began to weave in a lot more strategic detail uh. so that our visions, as you have in front of you, uh, include both facts and feelings. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I believe that that's a lot of what makes it come alive because if you just say how everybody who works in the organization feels, it's terrific. It's better than not having it, but it still doesn't tell you whether you're opening 3000 of them or three. Yeah. And it's a totally legitimate vision. Like in our world that you have a little restaurant with 25 seats and that's what you do. And it's great, or it's legitimate that you have a vision that says you've opened 2,500 units all over the country, or you've gone global. And they're both fine, but they require completely different approaches to your work. And, and, and this time, your 2032 vision, you spent months putting this together. Years, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm assuming on the first one, <laughs> you didn't take all that time maybe you try to disseminate a year your first shot okay so took, a year it took a year it took you spent a months on this so go through that process as as brief or as long as you'd like to to explain yeah. that because that's i think that's very important yeah so the first time we did it we weren't in alignment paul and i my partner and i were not in alignment i mean so it was a lot of eye rolls and lots of swear words and long walks and yeah just continually coming back to the table, which we now have formalized as a, as a process, but it, it, it's not like we just sat down and we're done. Uh, now, I, I will say that you just to draft one, half an hour, 45 oh, yeah. minutes, done. Yeah, draft the initial. If you're, yeah. if, you're, if you're the boss and you have a hierarchically created organization or you're an artist or a potter or whatever, or a consultant, and you work solo, you could just clean it up and be done in a couple hours. Uh, but for us, like when we did the first one in 1993, 94, we were partners making decision by consensus and we weren't in agreement. <laughs> so so yeah. it took a while when we wrote the 2032 one and also the 2020 vision. And these are all in the pamphlet we weren't in any hurry. We already had one. So we started to work on a 2032, 
in 2018, but we had one for 2020. So it's not like we were unclear on where we were going. This is just trying to do, uh, in essence, it's it's like the uh, there's an anarchist saying about building the new world in the shell of the old. So mm. the old one was still in place and we were working on the new one. When we did the 2021, we started in 2007 and we worked on it for two years also, but we already had the 2009 vision that had been written in 94. Yeah. So it allows for more continuity. If you're in a bigger hurry, you could do it much faster. How important was getting feedback from as many people as possible? How important is that in it? Talk to me about that. Well, the way we work, it's super important. That said, uh, I would I am of the belief that an autocratically written vision done in isolation, but clear and documented is better than no vision. Got it. Because at least people can decide back to our earlier part of our conversation if they want to work there or not. It's easier to make it's still easier to make decisions. So a lot of the benefits yep. still come into play, even if you just wrote your own for a hundred employees and just announced that that's what you were doing. Yep. The way we work uh, in the context of diversity, which I would suggest is not just a PC buzzword. It's actually a belief that healthier ecosystems are more diverse and in the belief that everybody in the organization knows something the rest of us don't know. And that even if in our case, the managing the partners in our organization, which is like 20 people will make the final decision. We still want to consult with everybody else in order to see what they have to say. And there's side benefits that aren't direct causes of that, but their buy-in goes up. The document gets richer. We yeah. fill in parts that we don't see. So I always say when I teach this, like in a bigger company, like as the owner, founder, whatever, I don't think about the break room. I don't go in the yeah. break room. I don't take breaks. I have a different way of living my life where I go home and run or whatever. Yeah. But if you're a frontline employee, the, the quality of the break room is a big factor yeah. in the quality of your work life, right? So. Yeah. If I draft a vision for Zingerman's, it is not going to mention that because yeah. it's just not in my mind. Just like if you, the parents write a vision for the house, they could easily forget to talk about where the toy box goes. But if you ask the five-year-old for input, like that's way more important than yeah. solar power on the roof. Yeah, I, I think that that that's, a, again, I've been doing this following your model and teaching and sharing your work for a long time. And I now have people that are into the, second in some cases a third iteration so you know as i've personally gone through it with clients and and learning from you and and, and the readings that that you've suggested i the, the richness is a great word to use that that is a great descriptor of what happens the richness of the document is just so it, it improves it so much so much and now again you're right if you have uh, if you're one person or a small group, and it's better than nothing. Let's move on to something else in, in your 2032 vision. There's two parts that I'd like to go a little deeper on. Um, and these are and to help you if you want to. Is on page 72. It says, uh, one of them is working with young people. I, mm -hmm. I found that uh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. Working with young people. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so this is a good example of uh, when I'm talking about like why our vision includes strategic decisions. So 
you could leave that out of the vision and all the rest would still stand. So this is a conscious decision after a lot of conversation to include this in the vision. Uh, I believe there personally, it's a part I feel pretty strongly about, but what it means is not, uh, we, we also hire young people, but this is really more about teaching practices like visioning or our approach to energy management or our, our work around beliefs or hope or all the things that you know that we work on, teaching it to eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, teaching yeah. open book management to nine-year-olds to run their classroom. Like, because these are all, I, I've come to realize over the years, they're just life practices. They're not yeah. Exactly. Like the typical business stuff that people get taught is almost antithetical to how they want to live at home. So you get taught at work to crush the competition and then you're supposed to go straight home and be loving, caring, kind and compassionate. And then you come back to work to dominate the market and then you're supposed to go home and treat, you know. Yeah. So these these approaches are the same whether you're at work or not at work. Right. So writing a vision for your relationship with your significant other writing a vision for your relationship with your child. These are all behaviors that they could practice. So anyway, I wish I would have learned this stuff when I was 10. <laughs> would have uh, saved me you? a lot of stress, <laughs> a lot of money on therapy, and would have helped me in, in any number of, of good ways. And I, I'm with you. And and I, I think, and, and part of this though, too, is it's strategic. Like I, you know, as we here, you just describing it in a good way. It's a successful thing. The way we share this, we don't license it. We, we yeah. teach it, right? And so it's totally fine. You're not the only one who's learned it from us and has adapted it. We learned it from Stash. It's not like we made it up. So in a good way, as the marketplace evolves, that is going to continue to happen. So it's important for us to create holistically new marketplaces. And nobody's yeah. teaching this to nine-year-olds, right? So how we're going to do that, we don't detail in the vision. That comes later. Yeah. But the vision describes that by 2032, okay. we'll have made this happen. And of course, like everybody, we're pushed back by the kookiness of the last couple of years. And in my fantasy, we would have already been moving on it and we're not. But we got time and we will. You got time. We got time. Somebody, I was at a meeting yesterday or at a conference yesterday and, and uh, this gentleman's around my age, known me for a long time. He says, Marty, don't you? Don't you wish you knew what you know now 20 years ago, 30 years ago? And I said, well, yeah, but on the other hand, I feel blessed that I at least know and know it now. So the yeah. best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago or right now. So I'm glad I know it now. So here's another Absolutely. point I'd like for you to go in detail, a little more detail on, because you write about this frequently. And, and one of the things in your vision is working in harmony with nature. Yep. You, you talk a lot about this. So working in harmony with nature, go a little deeper on that. Well, this is all fresh in my mind because I just taught the vision yesterday in the new staff orientation class, which I do once or twice a month. So in a good way, it helps me stay connected with the vision on a regular basis. So there's two, two main themes that are kind of blended together in this one. The first is the more overt one, which we're certainly have a long way to go to get to where we want to be, but is obviously on the ecological footprint. And again, the pandemic has set us back since in our world, everything shifted to, to go and it made for more disposables and et cetera, et cetera. But I, I, as Seth Godin said, you don't hear a lot about gravity deniers, do you? Yeah. So 
it seems fairly clear to me, and I'm just a history major who grew up in a big city and likes high, like driving on expressways, kind of, but I, it's just clear, like, we're in trouble. <laughs> and I don't mean, like, yeah. the world's going to end tomorrow, but we have a responsibility to help rebalance the ecosystem. It's also true of diversity, but that's a different section of the vision. But so we have a long way to go on that. So that's one. Uh, the second one is uh, working in harmony with human nature. And that's really, again, back to where I started this, the visioning is a natural human process that every five-year-old knows how to do. Starting with strategic planning is actually, I would suggest, antithetical to human nature. It's trying to figure out the right answer instead of treating your spirit, your soul, in a holistic way that allows it to emerge. And I don't mean there's no analysis that comes into it. If I sure. tell you my vision is I'm gonna jump off 10 story buildings, might not be that strategically sound. But, but the point is to start with what's in your heart, not with what advice you got. No offense to you or me or whoever gave advice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. So uh, let's wrap up again. I've been talking with Ari Weinswig. We're talking about his latest pamphlet. It is the latest. You're probably working on something new, but it is the latest, right, Ari? It is the latest. And as you know, because you get it, uh, I write that e-news every week too, which gives people Yeah. How would people doses. sign up for that? How would people sign up for your well, newsletter? People can, I know it's weird, but I'm just going to give my email out. It's ari at zingermans.com. Uh, so people are welcome to email me with questions directly. If they email me, I could just put them on it, which is easy. Or they could go to zingermanscommunity.com. And on the right side of the page, there's a drop-down menu and there's a place to sign up. And it's called Ari's Top 5. Yeah. Dan, uh, our producer, and I were talking about the newsletter before you came on. And I said, uh, I look forward to them. Uh, I have to take time to read them because they're they're very very thought-provoking and very deep. I, it's not something I can look and say, okay, uh, I'll go to this quick because I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I say, well, I'll do that later on because they're, yeah. they're very thought-provoking. So Thank the latest you. is the story of visioning at Zingerman's. Four visions, 40 years, and a positive outlook towards the future. So I guess 2032 will be 50 years. Wow. I know you're also planning for that and envisioning for that and all the kind of exciting things uh, that you're talking about in terms of uh, succession planning and all that kind of stuff. We're not going to go into detail on that at all, but I know you're thinking about that in the future. Yeah. You can uh, go to zingtrain.com and uh, follow Ari, get the information. You can buy these pamphlets. I would also suggest when you go to zingtrain, you look at the guides to a good business series that Ari has written. I have them all. And I'm going to another, put another plug in, Ari, to Madeline's, uh, Madeline, um, excuse me, how do you pronounce your name? Michelle well, Maynard. She goes by Mickey, so that's easier for you. Mickey. There Mickey you Maynard. Mickey Maynard, M-A-Y-N-A-R-D. She wrote a book called Satisfaction Guaranteed, How Zingerman's Built a Corner Deli into a Global Food Community. It's a great book. It's a great read. It was fun to read. Uh, we've been talking about visioning. I have seen this work um, in real life. I have seen this work through Ari's work and through Zingerman's. And so it's uh, it's always a clinic when I get to spend time with you, Ari. But let's wrap up this way. Anything that we missed or anything that you want to make sure that we cover before we uh, wrap up? 
Well, just re I'm sure there's more, Marty, but that's why I have all those books. But uh, I just will add that the books in line with our vision, uh, we're a little bit off the grid. Uh, so we do all the work locally. Uh, we, we print them here in town uh, and, and we try to, it's a little farm to table version of books. So yeah, just so people know. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say is just to reiterate, I mean, I, I'm not big on overstating things that said this process changed my life. Uh, and, and like I said, I started very cynical about it and not very <laughs> open to it, but it really has changed my life. And all the things that you've described about us would not have happened remotely the way they've happened had we not used this. Uh, my personal life would be way different. Uh, if we had not done visioning, I feel it's fairly likely, as I said in the pamphlet, we would have ended up following one of those paths that everybody follows. We would have opened a 100, 200 Zingerman's delis. We would have gone public. We would have franchised. We would have, you know, I mean, these are all the things people do and there's nothing inherently wrong with them, but it wasn't really true to what we wanted to do. And just to share the power of it, I'll just say the part of how my girlfriend ended up moving here from San Francisco, I wrote a vision of our life together and I shared it with her and in a good way, it convinced her that I was serious <laughs> about being together. So this is a very powerful process and it does work. It's not imperfect. It's not magic. You still have to do the work to make yeah. it come true. Yeah. I don't take that lightly. I, as you know, like you, I'm a hardworking human being as is everybody listening to the show who probably has a thousand other things that they could be doing instead of learning a new technique. But it, it really does help. And it's changed people's lives here. It's changed people's lives that we've taught it to. And it can change communities. It can change church groups. It can, it's, it's applicable everywhere. So yeah. I recommend it. All right, Winesweek, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show again. And uh, we'll have you back soon. So thanks again, Ari. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for listening to The Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com.